Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Good morning. How are you all? You good? So glad you've all gathered here this morning. There's power in gathering together. And I'm so glad that you've all decided to to gather together this morning. You're amazing. You're looking excellent. You may take your seats. You are. You are. I just want to read you an article from a newspaper in March last year. Thanks, team. The body of an elderly man has been found in his Napier home weeks after he died, bringing the number of such cases in the city to four in the past six months. The latest case involved a 78-year-old man who was found in the house bus he called home on a commercial property on Monday afternoon. Detective Mike Signal said the man who had been dead for four to six weeks was the fourth similar case he dealt with lately. The bodies of two men were found within weeks of each other in September and October 2018 in their houses on Napier Hill. Then a third man was found just north of Napier in January. It, was, it is important to respect people's wishes to be left alone, but that doesn't mean that we can't keep an eye on their well-being, he said. It's the same message we give whenever one of these events occur. Please keep an eye on the elderly residents living alone in your neighbourhood. And if you haven't seen them for a while, go and knock on their door. It's, it's not the first story like that that we've heard, is it? Who's heard of a story like that on the news? Where people are alone, where people are disconnected and nobody even notices when they don't surface for weeks at a time. It's really sad, isn't it, that our society has come to that. It's really sad. It's going to be an uplifting message this morning, I promise you. (laughs) It's going to get better. (laughs) We currently have an epidemic on our hands as a society, though. Never before have people been more lonely, more depressed, and more anxious than they are today in our society. Society is broken, and people are falling through the cracks. There's no denying it, is there? Our society is broken and people are falling through the cracks. We have chosen, maybe not consciously, but we have chosen to live a lifestyle that is more disconnected than any of our ancestors before us, and we are paying the price. But the good news is that God has a solution for this, and it's called community. It's called what we're doing here right now. It's called the church. It's called connection. That's God's solution. In Psalm 68 verse 6, it says that God places the lonely in families. And sometimes there's good reasons why families are disconnected, why the parents live in one country and the children live in another, or, you know, the siblings disperse. But God's solution is still that we find community that we find one another, that he plants us in a family. That is his will for you and me. That is his purpose for you and me, is that we be connected and planted in a family so that we don't end up alone and disconnected. 
that family is called the local church. The church, if we, if we are to be all that God intended us to be, if we are to be connected, if we are to be supporting each other, if we are to be doing life together, Jesus said that I will build that and the gates of hell will not be able to stand against that. When you are being the church as I have intended you to be, not even the gates of hell will be able to stop you being a force, be able to stop you being an amazing community where people can come in and be healed and be welcomed and be received and be embraced and be, and be spurred on to love and good deeds. Jesus said, I will build my church. He was so, he is so passionate about his church. I will build my church. I was reading a book recently called The Village, and I've mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning again, where the authors visited villages where people are living long and healthy lives. What they found was that these people worked together and they rested together. The people that are living long lives, over 100 in most cases, In these villages where they are a community, they work together, they hang out together, they rest together at the end of the day. And these are some of the characteristics of these communities. Stress seemed to be non-existent. Interesting. (laughs) People worked hard but not excessively long hours. Often they got up early in the morning and worked just after lunch and then they all gathered together and ate and just stayed there for hours and chatted and told stories and connected and talked about how they grew up and what's this relative doing and what's that person doing. People weren't driven by the clock. They weren't constantly doing this. Oh, I've got to be somewhere. I've got to do something. I've got to get somewhere. They spent very little time online. They spent a lot of time face-to-face. They slept and they rested a fair bit. And everyone had a role and contributed something to the community. Everyone had a role. And they just, what they discovered after researching several of these communities was that more than maintaining a healthy weight, more than living in a pristine environment, more than having access to good health care, more than avoiding substance abuse, the one single factor that contributed to these people's longevity was that they shared life with people who cared about them. That was the most important factor. They did life together and they cared for each other. That was the most important factor in their longevity. For centuries before us, people have lived in villages, haven't they? The traditional village was a few hundred people who they all kind of lived in close proximity and they relied on each other. In Acts, it describes a church like this, where they met together in one another's homes, where they prayed together, where they worshipped together, where they ate together, where they talked together, where they took care of each other's needs. That's the church in Acts chapter 2. And God added to their number daily. Because who wouldn't want to be part of a community like that? Where everybody's caring for each other. Where everybody's hanging out together. 
where everybody's not too busy to spend time with each other. I believe this is how God always intended us to live. But the sad thing is that we can very easily start to conform to the pattern of this world without, without stopping to evaluate, is this biblical? Is this the way God intends us to live? Or are we just running, running, because we're in a rat race and everyone else is running, so we start running without even stopping to think, is this really God's plan for my life? Is this really God's plan for my family? Is this really how we're meant to live? When we look at what's happening to our society, when we look at how people are broken, how people are stressed, how people are anxious, how people are depressed, it's not the way that God wants us to live. So it doesn't mean that we should all sell up and buy 500 acres and build mud brick houses and live in a commune. Why not? <laughs> that could be a bit weird. People might start calling us a cult. But maybe we can be more connected and more caring and look out for each other a little bit more and take time out for each other a little bit more and just find out if everyone's doing okay. Just ask questions. Just take an interest. Have conversations. Gather around a table together. When you read through the New Testament, one thing that stands out is how often Jesus gathered around tables with people. When you read through the Gospels, it says, he said to Zacchaeus, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your house for dinner. What's for dinner? And then it says he had, he had a meal with the disciples. He had a meal with the Pharisees. He had a meal with the tax collector. He had a meal with this person and that person and he just sat around the table with them and mentions it again and again and again and again in the Gospels. It sounds like what Jesus did most of the time was just sit around and eat with people, break bread with people and just chat about the kingdom of God and how's your life going and this is what really matters and this is what's really meaningful. And it says that Jesus actually, um, again and again and again, that he actually reclined at the table. Can't recline that way because there's a battery pack. <laughs> hey, actually, like, you know, if you invite someone around for dinner and they lay down at your table, they're not leaving anytime soon. <laughs> they're settled in for the evening. If they kick their shoes off and lay on your couch, you know that they're staying for a while. You're in for a long conversation, a relaxed conversation. But it's good, isn't it? It's good. We eat and run so much, don't we? We eat and run and we run and we eat and we stuff our faces and we look at our watches and we got somewhere else to go. But, you know, one of the biggest protective factors that Focus on the Family says for avoiding your kids going off the rails is to eat dinner at the table every night with your kids. That's one of the biggest things that Focus on the Family says we need to do turn off the television, gather the family around the table, look at each other face to face and just talk about your day. That is the one thing that we need to do as families because so many families get their plate of food and go into another room and eat, eat dinner. Like, you know, we can have four family members in four different rooms eating four different dinners, watching four different screens and that's not good for us. It's, that's disconnected. That's not healthy. 
but it happens a lot in Western society. But it's the pattern of this world. The Bible mentions two kinds of tables. And I've talked about the table before that's just Jesus and us. You know, he, he's my good shepherd. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Just him and me. Just him and me time. That's the intimate table. But then in, in Song of Songs, this is what it says. It says that he takes me to his banquet table and his banner over me is love. So we have this, we have this personal connection with Jesus, but then he takes us by the hand and he says, hey, I've got another table that I want you to sit at as well. It's called the, the banqueting table. Because I love you, I know that you don't only need to connect with me, but you need to connect with others as well. Because he loves us, because his banner over us is love. He wants what's best for us. And a banquet table is not for one, is it? Is a banquet table for one person? How many people is a banquet for? It's for a lot of people. It's for a lot of people. It's for us to gather around, to be a community, to connect with other people. Does anyone not have breakfast? Oh, let's, does anyone want a croissant? Who wants a croissant? Cassie does. Banquet table's for sharing. There you go, darling. Have two. <laughs> One's good. She's good with one. This watermelon smells amazing. Is anyone having fruit for breakfast? Anyone want some watermelon? Oh, come on. I know you I know you do. That's what it's, eat it while it's fresh. Banquets are for sharing, caring. Thank you. You guys want some? How's your mum, Ash? Is your mum good? <laughs> hey, how's your week been, guys? Good. Anyone else? Anyone else want some watermelon? Hey, Dad, how you doing? Are you growing watermelons this year? I know, Carol's growing watermelons this year. Anyone else want some? You want some, Mum? Because then, you know, when we, when we eat together, we get to talk together, don't we? We get to ask people, how's your week been? You guys want some? You good? Sorry, I forgot the serviettes. You might have to lick your fingers, but I won't look if you lick your fingers. It's okay. He loves us. He wants the best for us. Whenever, you know, he says anything to us, gives us any kind of instruction, it's because he wants the best for us, because he's our father, and he's giving us fatherly instruction. He's saying, oh, it's really, really important for you. You know, as a, as a mother, as a father, you want your children to connect and get along well, don't you? As our father, he wants his children to connect to get along, to do life together, and to take care of each other. And he's not saying that because he's trying to control us. He's saying that because he wants what's best for our soul. So my first point, my first point is connect. Connect. It's up to each one of us to connect with someone else. When you think about a banquet, I think about our family gathering on Christmas Day. 
And what I love about that is that everybody has something to, to bring. Everybody has their specialty dish. My sister does these amazing garlic beans. Oh, they're the best thing. My brother does this amazing potato bake. My mum does applesauce every Christmas. It's beautiful. Carol does Christmas pudding. It's amazing. My mum does Christmas. We get two Christmas puddings, one for lunch, one for dinner. Um, Leanne does marshmallow dip. So decadent. Oh, why are we all talking about food? Joel, you started it. <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's fed fast, but God, you know, it's not only about the food. It's about, you know, feeding each other's souls. That's what it's about. But everyone needs to bring something to the table when we gather together. Bring your smile. Bring your concern for somebody else. Bring your sense of humour. Bring your warmth. Bring your conversation. Bring your story. Bring your best listening ears because you want to hear about someone else's story. Bring your compassion. Bring your empathy to the table. When we gather together, bring your time. Bring your time. Because there's a difference between a crowd and a community. We went to a Michael Bublé concert last week. It was really good in Adelaide Entertainment Centre. There were 10,000 people there. We were a crowd. We all just came into the auditorium. The seats were narrower than these. So you were sitting with other people there and there that you barely spoke to. You might say hi as they come in and sit down. We had one thing in common. We were there to hear Michael Bublé. We might have had other things in common, but we never found out because we never spoke to each other. We just came in, we all sat down in an auditorium, we all faced the front, right next to complete strangers, trying not to touch them too much. And then uh, we enjoyed the concert. We, 10,000 of us got up and walked back out of that auditorium and barely said a word to each other. And the sad thing is, that is a crowd, that is not a community. We didn't do anything for each other that night apart from enjoy some music together. The really sad thing is that church can begin to look like that. We can start to behave like a crowd and not a community very easily. If we just all come in here, if we just all sit down and face the front and we all enjoy the worship and we all enjoy the word and then we all get up and leave and we never have any conversations with each other and we never say, hey, how's your week been? How you doing? Good to see you. You know, connect with each other. We're brothers and we're sisters. We have the same father who desperately, his heart for us is that we should connect, that we should support each other, that we should know each other, know each other, not be too busy, not be too distracted, but just today. We want to give you opportunities to be a community. So that's why we do things like today where we have lunch outside so that you can all hang around and chat and get to know each other and connect. And 
If you're here in this service and you want to do lunch, you can come back at 12.30 and do lunch with us. And, you know, we don't do those things to take up your time. We do those things so that we can be the church, so that we can be a community, so that we can be nurturing each other, so that we can be helping each other, being friends to each other, because we need to be a community, not a crowd. We, as a church, have a reputation for being really friendly. So let's, let's keep going with that. Let's keep being a friendly church. Let's keep being a connecting church. Let's continue to build on that foundation. Because we used to be a church that was small, where everybody knew everybody. And now we're a church that's getting bigger, so we have to work a little bit harder and making sure everybody knows. We can't know everybody, but please don't just talk to the same two people every Sunday. Please broaden your horizons. Spread out your tent pegs. Please embrace more people into your world. I love connecting with people. Look around you. This building is full of amazing people. God has blessed us with the most amazing people to do life with. You guys are incredible. I love the fact that God has given you to me to do life with. You're you're awesome. I couldn't have picked better people than you. God has blessed us with each other. Let's enjoy the fact that we have each other, that we can be a family together. We don't have to have walls up. We don't have to push each other away. We can trust each other. We can open up to each other. God has blessed us so much. Philippians 2.4, everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. And Galatians 6.10, so then while you have an opportunity, because we try and give you every opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who are in the household of faith. Let us do good to one another. Let us do good. And as I said, family lunch, coffee cart outside, after each service, Life groups, which I know we sound like we harp on, but we're not harping on it because we want to make you busy. We're harping on it because we want you to be connected. There's a quote (laughs) that Chelsea said once. Did you say it in church or in prayer? About the table? In prayer. I love this quote. It says, When you have more than you need, build a longer table, not a higher fence. Build a longer table, not a higher fence. When you have more than you need, invite more people into your world. Open your door. Share what you have. I would venture to suggest that every single one of us has more than we need. I would venture to suggest that every single one of us can afford to invite someone over for dinner, someone over for lunch, someone over for a cup of tea. Every single one of us even has more time than we need if we govern it well, if we manage it well. Build a bigger table, not a higher fence. And one of the biggest things that you can do when you're feeling down is to do something for someone else, to reach out to someone else, to look out for someone else, to connect with someone else, even though it's the last thing we want to do sometimes when we're feeling low. 
But really, it's what we need to do because sometimes our soul doesn't know what it needs. Sometimes we want to hide when we need to connect. We don't always know what we need, but God knows what we need. Don't be like that relative that turns up at Christmas and never brings anything and doesn't help with the dishes and then leaves. Nobody likes that person. When you come, bring something. Contribute. You know who I'm talking about. Nah. (laughs) Number two. Think us, not me. Think us, not me. You know, when... When they, um, I'm reading a book at the moment called, what's it called? I forgot. Um, I'll tell you in a minute. No, I've got it written down somewhere. <laughs> it's something like that. I'll tell you in a minute. But they, they've done these studies where they'll um, show a picture of a, like this of a crowd of people and one person up the front speaking. And when they show it to non-Western societies, they always notice the crowd first. They'll describe the crowd first. It's called Lost Connections. Thanks, Cassie. (laughs) That's the book. Um, So when they show it to non-Western society, they will always take notice of the crowd. Talk about the crowd, the people in the crowd. When they show an image like that of a crowd and, and a speaker to Western society, they will always notice the person individual up the front first and talk about them and describe them. It's interesting, isn't it? In Western society, we're so obsessed with individualism. We're so obsessed with us as an individual. We think as individuals instead of as a community. But in non-Western societies, they think as a community. When you think about the Word of God, who was the Old Testament written to and about? A community, a nation, Israel. When you think about the New Testament, when when you think about Colossians, Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, Thessalonians... Who were were those books written to? The church, a community of people. We read the Bible like it was written to us as individuals. It was actually written mostly to communities of people, how they should behave as a community of people towards one another and towards God. The new commandment is love God and love one another. Love God and love one another. So it's all about us as a community, how we serve God together, how we serve one another. So how much do we conform without realising to the pattern of the world? It's a good question, isn't it? Point number three is rest together. Our theme this year is foundations of rest. When you think about rest, when it's your day off, what do you think about doing? What's your default? What's your automatic mode for resting? <laughs> I, um, 
I love my alone time as much as the next introvert. <laughs> right, I know what it is to be introverting. I love to have an hour to myself and a hot cup of tea and a good book on the back veranda where none of you bother me. <laughs> I know what it's like to love your own company, but I also know that it's really good for my soul to connect with other people, to give and to receive from other people. So I think we need to ask the Holy Spirit what he wants our rest time to look like. Because on the Sabbath, it says to honour God with your Sabbath. So ask God what he wants your rest time to look like. Maybe some of it is shutting yourself away for a while, but maybe some of it is connecting with other people. It's good for us to rest together. As society, we've coined the phrase as me time. I need some me time. I need some alone time. I'm all peopled out. Have you ever heard that phrase? I'm all peopled out. But, but sometimes that's because we spend a lot of time at work with people that we don't really connect with. And we need some alone time, but then we need some time with people that we really connect with. We've fallen for this lie that we don't need each other. Somehow being around people drains us. The enemy is still trying the old tactic of divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. So according to this book, Lost Connections, it's written by a guy called Johan Hari. It's the same book that Stephen got the cow story out of. Remember the cow story about the community that said we, our, our antidepressants is that we support each other and they bought the guy a cow? Well, this is that book. It's called Lost Connections. And this guy, Johan Hari, suffered from depression his whole life. He was on antidepressants, but they weren't really help, helping. So he started researching why there are so many people, one in four, on antidepressants in our society now. So he started researching because he thought there must be some contributing factors in the way that we live to why we are so depressed. So he started researching, talking to people, finding out about their background, finding out about their lifestyle, comparing different cultures. And he discovered nine contributing factors nine contributing factors towards depression and anxiety. And he said that one of the biggest ones is that we've become disconnected from each other as a, as a society. And this is what he says, we do things together less than any other humans before us. The structures for looking out for each other, from the family to the neighbourhood, have fallen apart. We, without ever quite intending to, have dismantled our tribes. As a result, we've been left alone on a savannah we do not understand, puzzled by our own sadness. Wow. Mm. And then he goes on to say, to end loneliness, we need other people. Plus something else. You also need to feel you are sharing something with other, the other person or the group that is meaningful to both or all of you. Does that sound like the church? You need to share something that is meaningful to all of you. To end loneliness, you need to have a sense of mutual aid and protection with at least one person 
and ideally many more, many more. A sense of aid and protection with many people. Remember one of the very first sentences that God said over man when he created him. It's not good for man to be alone. It's one of the first declarations he made over us as mankind. It's not good to be alone. We need to be connected. So if we're too busy to sit with people, maybe we're too busy. If we're too busy to have meaningful conversations, maybe we're too busy. If we're too busy to chat to the neighbour over the fence for five minutes when we take the bin out, maybe we're too busy. Maybe we're too busy, too distracted. Doing what? Doing what? Our own thing. Our own time, my time, me time. Introverting. <laughs> All you extroverts get it so easy. <laughs> you just love connecting with people. No, we, we all love connecting with people. You can go beyond your personality type. Hey, I used to be the shyest, most withdrawn introvert you could ever know. But I knew that God wanted me to step out of that. And to connect more. And he gives us the grace to do what he requires of us. So I just want to say to you today, lean into your community. Lean into your community. Don't just sit at home and go, why isn't anyone visiting me? Why isn't anyone calling me? Why isn't anyone looking out for me? Lean into your community. We give you opportunities to lean in, not run away. If it's not natural to you, God can give you the grace to do it. So I just want to finish with this scripture. Hebrews 10.25 in the Passion Translation. This is, the time, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. Eager. Eager to encourage Uh -uh. stay around if I have to talk to people if I must eager (laughs) to connect and encourage and to urge each other forward as we anticipate our Lord and Saviour our wonderful awesome God coming back for his church, for his bright, shining, wonderful bride, that amazing church that he's called us to be with our arms linked together, moving forward together, knowing each other, sowing into each other. That's the church he's 
coming back for. Not a crowd, but a community of people under his banner of love, gathered around his banqueting table together. That's the church that he's coming back for. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you've shown us how to do life so wonderfully. Father, I pray that you give each one of us a fresh revelation on what we can bring to the table. I thank you, Father, that whenever we gather together, that you are at the head of our table always, singing over us, delighting in us, just covering us with your love and your grace. Thank you, Father, for your church. Thank you for each amazing person here, Lord. Thank you for wrapping them in your loving arms and your comfort. Thank you, Lord, for helping every person to be connected and nurtured and cared for. Helping every person to connect and nurture and care for others. Thank you, Lord, that in your grace we can do all things through Christ. who strengthens us. Thank you for your great blessing, Lord, and your favour upon us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining today. It would be so awesome to see you at church this Sunday. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.